from the newsroom of South Coast Today. This is ST Speaks, a podcast diving deeper into the news of the day and covering hot button issues that matter to you. You're listening to ST Speaks. Hello and welcome to Dartmouth Digest. I'm Phil Devitt, editor of The Chronicle. Hi, my name is Amy Chevroli and I'm a reporter at The Standard Times. And we both work here at South Coast Media Group, covering all things Dartmouth, all the time, almost 24-7. This is our first podcast ever. It's a momentous day. Uh, First podcast of 2017 and the last podcast of 2017. (laughs) We sort of planned it this way. Yes. A lot of memories in the bank from the last year after logging one podcast, if that. Uh, We're so happy that you've decided to join us today. We hope that you will stick with us uh, as every so often, maybe not every week, but every now and then we check in to talk about Dartmouth, Massachusetts, the the good, the bad, the ugly, but mostly the beauty because Dartmouth is a beautiful place. Wouldn't you say so? Absolutely. It sure is. Um, You know, Amy and I would be doing this anyway regardless of whether or not these microphones were in front of our faces. We cover a lot of the same turf. We're always hanging out at each other's cubicles, stalking each other in the lunchroom, (laughs) here, there, and everywhere, talking about Dartmouth. We decided that we wanted to bring uh, you, the listener, and the reader in on the conversation so you can join us and determine whether or not we're the kind of people you want to spend time with uh, on a regular basis. Really good to have you here. And uh, the premise of the show is pretty simple. Um, I already said that, didn't I? (laughs) It's okay. But, you know, hey, we want people to know what it is they're listening to. Of course. Um, You know, and uh, Dartmouth is a big town. Very big. A lot of people don't know that, but geographically very big. A lot of people there, a lot of things happening. You know, we get maybe a million emails a week uh, from Everybody, every group uh, wanting to share something with us and get it in the paper. And uh, most of the time it makes it in. Sometimes it doesn't. But we want to use this podcast as a way to uh, also get those odds and ends uh, out to the public in another way if they don't make it into print or on the website. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to cover some interesting ground today. We're going to talk a little bit about the Dartmouth People of the Year, which is one of my favorite subjects. Uh, Amy knows all about that, having covered it this past week, right? Yeah, I wrote that story. It's going to be in Friday's paper. She just wrote that story, folks, <laughs> minutes ago. Yes, I just finished it. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk a little bit about Dartmouth High's marching band, if you want to talk about groups that had a good 2017. Yeah, they are killing it. That's 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 one of them, for um, sure. And our intern, Abby Michaud, she is in the Dartmouth band as well. She's been doing great work for us here. Yeah, she is awesome. And in fact, she contributed to uh, the story that I wrote for the Chronicle and uh, the Standard Times. So it's, yeah, she's uh, been in the Standard Times a few times now. It, it's useful to have uh, an intern here who's not only doing some uh, great work with us, but can be a, a spokesperson for this wonderful band. So Exactly. So shout out to Abby. Shout out to and Abby. The band. We'll talk about all that, but we figured since this is our inaugural podcast mm-hmm. and you might have no idea who we are, we would tell you a little bit about ourselves if you'll indulge us for a moment or two. Yeah. Um 
I've uh, lived in the area for a long time, probably, well, I mean my whole life. I grew up on the wrong side of the track, some might say, in Westport, <laughs> right over the line. Uh, but I've come to know and love Dartmouth, uh, and uh, it's just a wonderful place. Amy, uh, you're not from the area originally, right? Yeah, from- that actually surprises a lot of people, and I actually don't live in the area. Um, I commute from Abington, Massachusetts, which is about an hour north of New Bedford. So I've been doing that for over a year now. Um, right. And covering Dartmouth just as long, right, since you got here. Yes. So that was pretty interesting, uh, learning a lot of different names of places, like Peyton Aram Village. <laughs> right. And how to spell them. Um, and just the long history of Dartmouth and from different sources and, and things like that. So I basically I've been covering Dartmouth and uh, UMass Dartmouth, which is kind of like a whole different place, even though it's in the town. It's kind of completely different from Dartmouth itself. And um, lately I've been getting into health stories. And this year I started an occasional series on foster care and foster children and parents in southeastern Massachusetts, which has been really great. Um, well, that's one of the interesting things about working for South Coast Media Group is we have our respective beats, mm-hmm. Dartmouth being the one that we share, but we also wear other hats here in the newsroom yeah. as well. Many other hats. It seems. Many <laughs> hats. And we're also, you know, we're, we're elsewhere in the community. So, you know, we want to use this podcast as sort of a, a jumping off with Dartmouth as a jumping off point for, you know, whatever has come across our desk and wherever we find ourselves out in the community, because we're always on the go. Always looking for something out there. So uh, coming to Dartmouth from Abington, um, what's been your impression of the town overall since you started exploring it and meeting its uh, citizens? I would say Dartmouth, as you said, is a very beautiful place. It, As you also said, it's very big. Um, And I find myself, not that I get lost a lot, (laughs) But when I'm on my way somewhere that I haven't gone before, I usually end up taking, you know, a wrong turn, and then I'm all the way around, and I don't know where I am. But so it's very big. Um, but everybody has been so nice to me, um, and just kind of welcomed me as somebody, you know, who's obviously not from the area, and have helped me kind of get to know the area a bit more. Um, and people have been very patient with me, you know, if I don't know the names of streets or, you know, don't know the name of something that they're talking about, they're always willing to explain it to me and they're very patient with my questions and asking them to repeat themselves and things like that. Right. Right. Like how do you spell Patanarum? Exactly. And how do you, how do you pronounce it? But you've got that down at this point. I've got it down. (laughs) P-A-D? A-N-A-R-A-M. What do we have for her? Absolutely nothing. We've got no prizes. Um, now, so you've covered a lot of stories in the last couple of years. Is there one in particular uh, that sticks out to you, if I may put you on the spot, even from just the last year since we're looking back at 2017? Yeah, I've been thinking about that, actually. Not that I've been you know, really going through all of my stories um, on the website or anything, 
But I think one that has really stuck out to me is the stories, well, multiple stories about Skyla Link Romano, who was hit by a car in January. Um, it was hit and run. And we pretty much covered that, um, or I, I have written a number of stories about that from when it happened in January to just September when she went back to school at Vogue. Um, and she just had this, it was just tremendous progress that she made. And it was just amazing to see the progress that she made. And um, I think the part that was interesting to me is I actually didn't act, get to meet her until September when she went back to school. Right. And well, she had been in rehabilitation all that time you'd been covering the story, right? Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. And so I had spoken to her dad a number of times. I spoke to her mom. I spoke to um, her dance teacher at one point. And I just never, you know, I talked to all these people who had so many great things to say about her and her character. And then I finally got to meet her in September, which was really awesome. And we just did an interview at her house. And then um, Peter Pereira, a photographer for the Standard Times, we followed her um, going back to school at Vogue Tech in New Bedford. Yeah. It was kind of what the day was like for her. I remember that story. It was incredible. And paired with Peter's photos, it was, you, it was really powerful stuff. Well, Peter's, <laughs> Peter always does an amazing job. And I'm always surprised that the work he's doing so that just really added to it yeah by the way if you're not familiar with peter Pereira's work check it out um, Yeah, he's on twitter <laughs> he's on twitter he's on facebook he's everywhere peter is incredible he's been uh, a standard times photojournalist for a long time now and uh, you know he is pretty humble about the work sometimes he always says the best camera is the one you have with you and i think that's a a, a great way to approach it but i tell you i've been side by side with him at an event and taken a photo of the exact same thing and his is 20,000 times better every time <laughs> and uh, he really is all over the place I mean I've been at events and I I barely even see him he's just he's just all over the place he's all over the map he's he's a good guy and yeah. he elevates our work too yeah he's awesome but that story about Skyla I think um, uh, says a lot and and said a lot at the time about what a great community Dartmouth is because didn't it, it get such a great response from people on social media yeah. and out in the community. Yeah. Cause there was a GoFundMe page going for her. Um, and so many people had contributed to that. And every time we posted it on the South coast today, Facebook page, it just went wild with the amount of comments and likes and shares that it had. Um, and of course, um, the Facebook group Dartmouth helping Dartmouth is, you know, always, like Dartmouth stories, of course. And that was um, a story that the group really liked too. So it was just every time we, we had a story about it, it just kind of went wild, which was awesome because, I mean, it, that's obviously a story that I think should be shared because um, we decided to put time into it. And so, Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and what was it like for you as the reporter finally getting to meet this person you'd written so much about and then following her around on her first day of school, which is a big deal. It was awesome. And I think she, you know, she lived up to all of the hype <laughs> that was surrounding her and all of the great things that people said about her. Um, and I, I almost felt bad in a way as we were there for like a few hours at least. And 
um, you know, she was just trying to get through her first day back at school. And and here's a reporter. <laughs> here's a reporter and a photographer in your face um, for right. a lot of the time. But no, but, it, but if you're going to pick any reporter to be in your face for the day, <laughs> I think it, you'd want it to be Amy because Amy's a very uh, nice and respectful person. Thank you. Yes. So, I mean, it's it's, you know... It's not like you had a rabid dog, you know, following you around on your first stressful day of school. Yeah, but I mean, it was really awesome just to know, you know, all of the progress that she had made. And she kind of had to relearn, you know, how to walk again, talk again, eat again, uh, because she was just in critical condition when when she had um, the accident in January. So it was just really amazing to just see all the progress that she made and for her to be able to go back to school and it was just, it was awesome. So that has to be my favorite Dartmouth story of the year. I'd say is her recuperation and her healing process. And the fact that she gets to once again, be uh, a normal uh, teenage girl. Yeah. Who's just trying to go places in life. Um, so we look forward to, I think, continuing to follow her story uh, and uh, hope for nothing but the best going forward, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, I followed that from in, in my role uh, at the Chronicle, uh, followed Amy's reporting on that. Um, in my role, we work in the same newsroom. We do. We just work on opposite sides. Yeah, we're, we're a little far apart. We're a little far apart, but we visit each other. We do. That kind of thing. And so... Uh, at the Chronicle, I'm afforded the opportunity to cover a lot of the same things that Amy does for the Standard Times, but we also get to go a different route into, um, you know, places and to meet people who might not get that A1 coverage in the Standard Times. Um, and I would have to say my favorite Dartmouth story of the year from that perspective involves a nursing home. <laughs> Yes, I how I don't know how I almost forgot about that. How could you forget the nursing home story? It was my story? favorite story of the day, at least, about the week. If not the week. It was amazing She story. retweeted it. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big feature writing fan. I love feature stories. I, I love the news, don't get me wrong, but my heart is in feature writing. And I got to exercise that muscle in September when uh, I got a call from our friends at Autumn Glen on Cross Road in Dartmouth saying, hey, would you like to come cover a wedding? And it's not every day that you get a phone call from a nursing home or a you know, nursing facility saying, could you come cover a wedding? So I said, absolutely. And it turns out it was a mock wedding, completely orchestrated by the residents <laughs> with some help from the staff at Autumn Glen. And it was in the moment I remember saying to myself, like I might have even mouthed the words, this is the craziest story I think I've ever covered in my life. It was just off-the-walls bananas. Um, you had uh, an 84-year-old woman named Pat playing the bride at this outdoor courtyard wedding. She had a gown on, but it wasn't enough that she was a fake bride. 84 years old, by the way. I think I said that. If I didn't, she's 84. She had a pillow stuffed under the gown to simulate pregnancy. <laughs> And her groom was uh, a woman who I believe uh, works on staff at the facility, um, or she might actually be um, a nurse uh, who uh, cares for one of the patients there. Such a good sport. 
dressed up in a tuxedo, fake mustache, wig, played the groom. And the two bridesmaids are uh, ladies in their 90s, Flo and Stella. Yeah, and they made the dresses, didn't they? They made the dresses. They uh, kind of organized the whole thing. They're wearing these pink, ridiculous (laughs) gowns. Um, They sang. There was an accordion player. They had staff members playing various roles. And there was something on the back of Pat's dress, wasn't there? There was. There was a sign taped to Pat's dress uh, that said Cougar on it. Yep, yep. Lest you had any doubt that this woman is on the prowl. Yeah. She wants you to know she's a cougar. Anyway, listen, we just had a great time uh, putting that story together, um, both uh, text and photos. And it was one of those uh, stories for us this year that got such a great reception from the public. I mean, it was hilarious. It was fun. I read it and I couldn't keep smile off my face. When we post this podcast, we'll make sure we provide a link to it, as well as the Skyla coverage, which is exponentially more important, by the way. (laughs) But uh, we'll link uh, to both of those stories if you want to see them. Um, The fact of the matter is, I think that I speak for the both of us, Amy, when I say we both just really enjoy what we do. Absolutely. And I think we would enjoy it anywhere. But the fact that we get to do it in Dartmouth, where there, I don't know, are so many dynamic people and places and things and events... It's awesome. I mean, there's so many things to cover, and there's really never a shortage of of topics to cover, honestly. And speaking of, it's the end of the year, which means that the Standard Times is rolling out its Man and Woman of the Year coverage. We uh, select uh, uh, people of the year from every community we cover. Um, A newsroom committee picks the winners from... Uh, a stack of nominations, and we get a lot of nominations, a lot of deserving yes. people that honor. Um, Amy has written about the Dartmouth People of the Year. I have. And who are they? <laughs> so, big reveal. The here. big reveal. The big reveal. Um, so, the Dartmouth People of the Year, it's a couple. Um, it's Anne and Richard Sato, and they own the Flora stores in Paytonera. Ah. So that's Flora Style, Flora Home, and Flora Etc. It's three different stores, but they're pretty close by to each other. And um, the nomination letter actually came from the mother of the manager of the Style Store, which is kind of interesting. Ah. And so she basically credited um, Ann and Richard for like transforming, helping to transform the village in a way basically, um, and how, you know, they came in and invested time and money into the village and encouraged other people to invest and things like that. And their story was pretty interesting, and they both actually come from retail backgrounds. Um, Richard's family actually had a store that started in New Bedford and moved to Dartmouth in the mid-1980s called Sado's. Right. And um, he said, you know, one of his like the Christmas Day traditions that he ha- like remembers as a young boy is that um, on Christmas Day that they would go to the store and they would mark sale tags on the snowsuits <laughs> in the store. Hmm. <laughs> 
which I thought was just very interesting. Um, and Anne said that she had worked at Filene's Basement and also Cole Hahn. And um, basically the business started in 2000 as a flower shop. And they kind of just expanded it from there. And the manager of the style store that I mentioned, her name is Ruthie Barry. And she has basically worked at the store for about 12 years now. And she started there when she was about 16 or 17, working in the flower shop with her sisters. And she just kind of stuck with Ann and Richard and said that they were basically like, you know, second parents to her. And she just had great things to say about how they both, you know, care for their business, um, for the merchandise that they have, the products, and also their customers. And, you know, they just, they know their customers and kind of help them. Well, that loyalty says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that 12 years is a big commitment, I think. Right. If she hated it, she would have been gone a long time ago. <laughs> exactly. So these are obviously um, good people to work with and for. Yeah. And seem to know what they're doing if they're being credited with, uh, you know, pumping some more life into this village, which is a big deal. Yeah, for sure. And they've also stuck through um, the construction of the causeway and the bridge, which is expected to be done by... Next year, sometime right. in 2018. I know everybody's looking forward to yeah. the completion of this causeway. They just can't wait. They cannot wait. And, you know, yes, there are other ways into the village, but it's undeniable that if you shut down the main artery into the heart of that village, it's going to cause some problems. And I know that business owners down there have been concerned about the effect of this long-term work. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that they're doing well at Flora, I think, also says a lot about the quality of what they do and what they bring to the table. Uh, I was actually, I don't know, last week or the week before, took a little stroll through the village, mm-hmm. checked it out, um, and went into one of the Flora stores, which was not very big, but yet I think I could have spent hours in there because every single item was super interesting yeah they have a lot in the stores um and something that i thought was interesting um it's escaping me for some reason (laughs) well the whole thing is interesting that's what's uh, so cool about it (laughs) it's not there it'll come back to you amy yeah it'll come back to me you know we'll get back to you in another podcast about what amy was just (laughs) thinking but uh congratulations to these two people on being named uh, Dartmouth Man and Woman of the Year. Uh, you know, this is an honor that goes to um, a, a different a person or people uh, every year. And we really appreciate the fact that people take time to nominate others in the community that they care about. And I think some people are kind of freaked out by it in a way because, I mean, because they're they're just so humble. And they're like, oh, well, I mean you know, other people are out there doing this other thing and they deserve the award and this and that. So, right. It's kind of funny, but that's exactly the kind of person you want to honor. The person who doesn't think they deserve it because (laughs) you know, yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. So congratulations once again. Um, and, uh, we look forward to reading all the man and woman of the year stories. Uh, Amy's is, is scheduled to run on, uh, Friday, the, 
29th of December. And we're running these all the way through the new year, uh, culminating in South Coast Man and Woman of the Year, I believe, on Sunday. And what's really cool is in the early part of 2018, there's a community breakfast, and we invite all the men and women of the year to it to be honored in person. I forgot about that. That's actually a really great event. It's coming up. Last year was my first breakfast, and I loved it. Yes, well, breakfast. You get breakfast. Yeah, I mean, how do you not love breakfast? How do you not love breakfast? Well, speaking of uh, other groups deserving of recognition, um, I thought we would close today by uh, making note of the Dartmouth High School marching band. Uh, That band happens to be on the cover of the Chronicle this week. I didn't want to let the year pass by without giving them their due with a nice A1 centerpiece. Yeah, they deserve it. Totally. They totally deserve it. Um, You know, the Dartmouth High Marching Band, it's no secret, they've been great for years. The entire Dartmouth uh, School's music program has been fantastic for years because of great leadership uh, and talented students. Uh, But this year in particular, they just blew it out of the water um, at uh, national championships at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Granted, all 88,000 seats in that stadium were not filled, but it is nevertheless intimidating to walk out there onto an NFL field, run through your routine, and wow the judges enough to take first place in Division Five, have the highest score out of any band in the competition, sweep all the judges' categories, and come home and you know, plop that giant trophy down in the yeah, it was high school. Huge. It was huge. I saw a picture of it, and it was taller than a doorway, I believe, or almost as tall. Massive. Yeah. It was very it was tall. Humongous. But, um, you know, well-deserved, well-earned. I have friends uh, who have been out of the high school for years now who were in marching band, and they still talk about how big of an impact that program had on their lives because it teaches so many things. Time management, you know, you learn music, obviously, but self-discipline. Yeah, it's a really rigorous program, Yeah, I believe. Respect for others, um, respect for yourself, everything. And, you know, and, I, I, and that was reinforced for me in, in doing the reporting for this story, talking to the students who are involved in the program now, talking with the parents who couldn't be prouder, and uh, we're seeing that kind of ripple effect on social media right now with uh, a lot of people giving thumbs up to the Dartmouth High Marching Band. So I have no doubt they'll do it again next year. No questions asked. Oh, absolutely. Amy, did a thought come back to you? The thought actually did come back to me. Though. Share it with us. <laughs> I'm so glad because I didn't want to let that go. Um, but I was just going to say that another interesting part of the story of Ann and Richard is that well, actually, a part that struck me is that all three of their stores are, you know, in the village in Dartmouth. Right. And so I was asking them about that. You know, why? You know, why not put one in New Bedford? Why not put one in a different town? Uh, but they just really believe in the village and that, like that community, and believe in that community, and that's why, um, you know, all three of their stores are there, and they kind of like that. You know, people can just park and walk and, you know, walk to all three of their stores and the other thriving businesses in the village. So I just wanted to share that. Get out there and support your local businesses <laughs> yeah, in Peyton Aaron Village and beyond, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're not all shopped out from the holiday season. Yeah. Maybe take a few days to recuperate and then get back out yeah. there. In the new year, go treat yourself. 
Absolutely. Well, Amy, we did it. We finally did it. We made it through there podcast number one of Dartmouth Digest. The last of 2017. And the last <laughs> podcast of 2017. Woo-hoo. We did it. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll join us again next time. We'll be back soon. Um, we have The Chronicle. We have The Standard Times and SouthCoastToday.com. You can follow both Amy and I on Twitter and get in touch with us there. Amy, what's your Twitter handle? My handle is Amy C. My first name is A-I-M-E-E-C underscore S-C-T. S-C-T. Okay. Standing for South Coast Today. And my Twitter handle is Phil Devitt Cron. That's P-H-I-L. And then D as in dog, E as in elephant, V as in Victor, I as in ice cream, and then two T's as in Thomas, and then C-H-R-O-N. We didn't say we were going to make this easy on you folks. No. (laughs) But once you get there, it'll be worth it because we'll be friends for life. Exactly. That's the plan. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Dartmouth Digest. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the Standard Times Podcast Network.